Summer's End. A Good Omens Potfic, written by Feral Tuxedo and read by Literarian. Chapter 8 Cherry Harvest. They began picking cherries in late June. After Crowley had taken a good long look at the tree, tasted a few, and declared them perfectly ready. It'll take a while for all of them to ripen, he explained. But if we pick some every day, we'll have two or three bucket loads by the end of the week. Aziraphale glanced over to the rather brittle-looking ladder that was leaning against the trunk of the tree, but Crowley disappeared to the back of the garden for a moment and returned armed with a long stick and a tartan umbrella Aziraphale had never seen before. Found it at the farm, he said, twirling it in his hand. Many of the tools and materials he'd used in the garden these past weeks were scavenged from the farmhouse. Crowley went out to it whenever he could get hold of Anathema's bike trailer and always returned it filled with goods. The latest addition to the garden was the hammock, which Crowley had fashioned out of what appeared to be a large bedspread he'd found tucked away inside a chest in one of the barns. It now dangled between the pear tree and a sturdy fence post he had dug into the ground and had fast become Aziraphale's favourite part of the garden. He was lounging in the hammock with his copy of Paradise Lost when Crowley announced that the cherries were ripe for the picking. And so he scrambled off, leaving the book to sway in the gentle breeze that was making the morning a rather pleasant one, and walked up to the cherry tree, where Crowley was waving his newly acquired umbrella about. Watch this! He opened the umbrella and placed it upside down on the ground, close to the trunk of the tree. Then he swung the stick back with such force Aziraphale ducked, even though he was several feet away and on the other side of the tree. The stick smacked against one of the lower hanging branches and cherries cascaded down, hitting the tartan nylon of the umbrella as they fell into it, and rolled to the centre. With a triumphant grin, Crowley leaned the stick against the trunk. Easy as anything. Only the ripe ones drop, the rest get another few days in the sun. And no need to climb about on that splintered ladder of yours. Aziraphale pouted. I was looking forward to the climbing. Crowley cocked his head breaking into an indulgent smile. Well, I suppose the stick is a little too short to reach the top of the tree. Aziraphale took exactly one trip up the ladder before deciding that maybe climbing wasn't for him after all. Once he'd made it back onto solid ground, he picked up the stick and the upside-down umbrella filling it with cherries from the lower branches like a gigantic fruit bowl, while Crowley pulled himself up onto a thick branch and picked the riper fruit at the top of the tree. 
they worked like that for a while. In between hitting the tray with the stick and tipping cherries from the umbrella into the bucket, Aziraphale relished the light breeze on his skin, the sweet taste of cherries in his mouth and the unobstructed view of Crowley's backside as he climbed up and down the ladder. It was nearly lunchtime when the ringing of the bell cut through the warm summer air. It was a bright sound, sharp and urgent, loud enough to penetrate the thicket that separated the garden and the caravan. Crowley froze, half up the ladder, turning down to look at Aziraphale with furrowed eyebrows. Aziraphale sighed and put down the bucket, now half filled with cherries and heavier than it looked. Client, he said, quite unnecessarily. I'll see you later. To his surprise, the bell had been one of Crowley's most useful finds at the barn. It was the size of a teapot and made from heavy brass, like something that might once have been fixed to a small turret. At first, when Crowley had pulled it from the trailer, Aziraphale had laughed at the sight. <laughs> what on earth did you get that for? Thought we could hang it up here, Crowley had replied, pointing at the side of the caravan. And when someone comes by, they can ring it, so you don't always have to wait here for clients. You could hang out in the garden with me instead of sitting around here by yourself. The laughter had gotten stuck in Aziraphale's throat. Once again, Crowley had thought of him in a way that made his heart beat faster. He wanted his company in the garden. Didn't want him sitting outside the van all day, waiting for clients that had become a rare occurrence by now. But when the bell rang that morning, disturbing the pastoral domesticity of the cherry harvest, Aziraphale couldn't help but secretly wish the client had showed up, found the caravan deserted and then left again to continue their journey. He walked up to the caravan, willing himself into the working mindset, and when he arrived to greet the patiently waiting client, he was all his old self. Relaxed, smiling and happy to serve. Good client, Crowley asked in the same deliberately nonchalant tone as always when Aziraphale returned to the garden a little while later. The answer was the same as always too. He was, thank you. He let himself drop into the hammock, tired and achy. Crowley had apparently abandoned the cherry harvest while Aziraphale was working and had instead turned his attention to weeding the herb garden. The sight of him kneeling on the ground, forearms crusted with soil and stained with grass, pulled up a memory of the very first day of their arrangement. The same image, Crowley weeding the herb garden. How fast did weeds grow? 
Had Crowley really lived with him for long enough for a new life cycle of plants to sprout, grow and suffocate the carefully tended herbs? Crowley's hands were dirty. The leather gloves he'd bought such a long time ago were lying uselessly on the kitchen table in the caravan where he'd pulled them off the previous night. But of course, he couldn't have come in and picked them up, not while Aziraphale was working. He sat back on his ankles, twisting around to look at Aziraphale. Took quite a while. I beg your pardon? Your client doesn't normally take that long. Aziraphale stuck out a leg and pushed against the dry, hard ground, setting the hammock into a gentle rocking motion. Ah, yes, he wanted anal, he explained, absent-mindedly. Always takes a bit longer, that. He leaned back and looked up at the swaying sky through the irregular pattern thrown by sprawling branches of the pear tree above. Ripe fruits were hanging from them, heavy, yellow and abundant. A shuffling sound announced Crowley's approach. Aziraphale tucked his legs up to make space for him. The hammock tilted, then stilled as the weight of Crowley sitting down stretched the thick fabric. You didn't come down here to, you know... He didn't finish the sentence, but Aziraphale knew what he meant. He wanted me to fuck him, actually. Aziraphale closed his eyes. He was exhausted, though significantly richer than he'd been just an hour previously. Maybe he could treat himself and Crowley to a little wine next time he went to the shop. Anathema had been trying to sell him a bottle ever since she'd managed to find a whole crate stashed away in an abandoned basement somewhere. He'd haggle for it. Both he and Crowley could do with a treat. I didn't know you'd do that. Aziraphale frowned, trying to remember what they'd been talking about. Do what? Fuck clients? Crowley answered with a vague sort of humming noise. I do whatever I'm paid to, my dear. To whomever pays me. He didn't understand this fresh wave of fluster. Hadn't they been through this already? His profession really wasn't all that complicated. Surely, in the weeks that Crowley had lived here, he'd had more than enough time to get used to it. Crowley cleared his throat, and Aziraphale could tell he was trying his hardest to sound detached. So, is that how... is that your preference? For the... Uh, fucking? What does it matter? It's been 15 years since I had sex just for fun. Aziraphale huffed. He wanted, more than anything, to return to the carefree lightness of their cherry harvest earlier in the day. 
before the ringing of the bell had pulled him away, before this odd mood had taken hold of Crowley. So, Crowley kicked his boots off and pulled his own feet up into the hammock. Did you enjoy it? I always enjoy my work. That wasn't entirely true, but it felt important to make the point. It's sex. It's what I do. If I only picked clients I'd fuck for free, I wouldn't have survived this long. You understand that, right? Do you find your clients attractive? There was no logic, no sense in this line of questioning. Aziraphale gave up trying to understand and resolved to simply answer the questions instead. He had nothing to be ashamed of. If Crowley chose to be awkward about this, so be it. I always find something to like about them. He did, even the people he would never have looked at twice before the outbreak even when the occasional woman knocked on his door, which hadn't happened since his days at the hotel, he took pride in being frank and open and generous in his work. Not that Crowley would understand. Aziraphale craned his neck to look at Crowley, who had wrapped his arms around his knees and was staring at the space between them with his face all scrunched up as if he too couldn't quite believe his own boldness. With a deep sigh, Aziraphale pulled himself upright. I've given you more than enough time. I've been trying to be considerate and not take it to heart when you get all awkward. But you have to understand how this makes me feel. Whenever you get all discombobulated. Discombobulated. Oh, you know what I mean. There's only so much badly disguised derision I can take. I'm not ashamed of what I do, I never have been, and I'm entirely done walking on eggshells around you whenever the subject comes up. I fuck for a living. I do it right up there, in my van, on the bed we both sleep on. You know this. And I don't care what your hang-ups are about it, because you've had more than enough time to get over them and... What we did, Crowley interrupted. When I came back to you, uh, the second time, you know. The fucking? Yeah, that. Did you enjoy that at all? Blimey, Crowley, where's this coming from? Just, please, just answer the question. Aziraphale laughed, irritated, but finally starting to understand what Crowley was getting at. Goodness, he'd never expected someone that handsome to be quite so insecure. You were very good in bed, if I recall, very gentle and generous, etc., he said, 
a note of teasing creeping into his voice. Is that enough of a compliment? I've got more if you want. You're quite good looking. That whole skinny but lean thing is really working for you, and your cock is the perfect size too. Nice and big, but not painfully so. Ten out of ten would... God, please stop. You started it. He couldn't quite keep the bite out of his voice now. What I'm saying is that Eric should count himself lucky and you have absolutely no reason to be insecure about anything at... Eric? Crowley spat, finally turning to look at Aziraphale. What's Eric got to do with it? There was a long silence, interrupted only by the screeching of a bird somewhere in the distance and Aziraphale's rather loud thoughts. He's obviously chasing after you. He's what? Good lord. Aziraphale hadn't had nearly enough tea for this conversation. Why do you think he was following you around like a lost puppy last time we were over? He's not exactly subtle. Even Tracy had remarked on it, with a pointed glance at Aziraphale, as if it was his fault. Crowley, however, looked astonished, mouth dropped open in disbelief. Eric? Eric from the hotel, Eric? How many Erics do you know? I have absolutely no interest in Eric. Right. You might want to tell him that, even just to stop him draping himself like a tablecloth over the nearest available flat surface whenever you're around. He does that? Honestly, Crowley, I don't see what your problem is here. Eric's a pragmatic young man. He's not expecting a marriage proposal. Aziraphale couldn't fail to notice just how much he sounded like Tracy. If I was going to, you know, with anyone, it'd be you. I thought that was obvious. I know, the arrangement, he said quickly when Aziraphale opened his mouth to make exactly that point. Haven't forgotten that. How could I, with every client who shows up here and gets to have you? You're jealous? Of course I'm not jealous. Fucking hell, you're daft sometimes. I don't care how many blokes get to fuck you, I just don't like getting reminded that I'm not one of them. Cutting off the oncoming wave of indignation from Aziraphale, he added... I'm not entitled to you, I know that, but you do realise that I'd quite literally empty my entire wallet into your money jar for the chance to... Fuck anything, be close to you. Right, Aziraphale whispered, more for anything to say, because listening to Crowley's outpouring was exhausting him more with every passing second. 
but Crowley had only just gotten started. And then whenever I think that, I feel worse, because actually I don't want to be just allowed to pay to fuck you. Not anymore. I want you to want it too, and that's... it's a lot. But I can't have you going round thinking I'm disgusted. I fucking hate that. Aziraphale's head was spinning, and it wasn't helped by the relentless swaying of the hammock, the rushing of the stream in the distance. He let the sounds of the garden wash over him, the old familiarity of this place that had been his little paradise until not long ago. Until Crowley had shown up with the promise of truth, like the snake in Eden. So this is what it's all about then, he murmured. You still want me? Of course I still want you. Paid twice, didn't I? Don't know why you'd think I wouldn't. Oh, well, you've gotten to know me since. And you thought that would put me off. Aziraphale let out a breathy chuckle at Crowley's bafflement. This wasn't new information, not really. Still didn't lessen the absurdity of hearing it said out loud. Is my ass that good? Crowley didn't laugh at his feeble attempt at a joke. He only shrugged, and the hot, fervent thing that had sharpened his features retreated back within him, shielded by a solid but unconvincing layer of detachment. Doesn't matter either way, he said. What I want, I mean. But I'm not going to mess around with Eric. I've got a little more dignity than that. Wouldn't be fair to him either. Something about this reply, and Aziraphale wasn't quite sure what it was, lit a spark of anger within him. Anger at himself, as he quickly realized, but in the moment it didn't come out like that. So you'd rather be celibate than go out and have fun just because you can't have me? Crowley looked at him for a long moment. Yep. He unfolded his limbs and jumped off the hammock hurrying back to the herb bed with a stride that clearly meant we are done with this conversation. Aziraphale sighed and stretched out again, gazing up at the clear blue sky above. He'd never expected the arrangement to be quite this complicated. The next morning, Aziraphale was awoken by the creak of the caravan's linoleum floor. He opened his eyes to find Crowley by the door, frozen with his hand on the handle. His body was shrouded in twilight. Going to the farm, he said. I'll swing by Anathemas to pick up the trailer first, but I'll be back before sunset. Go back to sleep. It's still early. 
panic spread out from the back of Aziraphale's neck, urging him to move, but his limbs were still paralysed by sleep. Don't go, he blurted out. Please, let's talk. Let's take the bell off the hook and sit in the garden and just sort this out. Crowley slumped, but his grip around the door handle tightened. We'll have time to sort this out when I get back. I need space, Aziraphale. I need time to think. And so do you. Aziraphale's distress must have been showing even in the dim light of the morning, because a mere second later, Crowley had crossed the narrow space between the door and the bed. I'll be back, he whispered, sitting down on the very edge of the bed. The coarse fabric of his jeans was rough against Aziraphale's naked leg. Don't you worry. I'll be back. He bent down to press a light kiss to Aziraphale's forehead, an undeserved gentleness. Then he stood up and vanished through the door, leaving nothing behind but an unpleasant tingle on Aziraphale's temples, where long red hair had brushed his skin. There were no clients until the afternoon. And what a tedious day it had been. Aziraphale, as he realised some time between his second cup of tea and his first can of peas, didn't want time to think. Not by himself. That had never been his style. He needed Tracy by his side, with a gentle smile and a harsh word that would set him right. He could have gotten on his bike and visited her. In theory. In practice, he'd never cycled to the hotel without Crowley. And petty as it was, he couldn't face the chance of seeing Eric. Nothing about this was the poor lad's fault but still. So he'd sat on the folding chair at the outside table, not even bothering to go down to the garden and lie in the hammock, where the ghost of Crowley's careless, rambling confessions undoubtedly still lingered. But it was no good. Aziraphale tried drowning himself in fictional misery, Dickens, fantasy, Tolkien, and philosophy, Wolf, but nothing distracted him from the question that had lodged itself in his mind, unanswered. What was the point of the foolish arrangement he'd struck with Crowley? Why couldn't they both have what they wanted? The answer, he feared, would reveal too much about him would force him to admit weakness he didn't want to own up to, not even to himself. And so, when a client came cycling up the empty road, Aziraphale greeted him with much more real enthusiasm than usual. Work! This was what he was good at. 
much easier than thinking. The only thing that mattered now was the man coming down the path. He was tall and dishevelled looking, in a tattered trench coat worn over a button-up. He had the slightly dazed expression of someone with heat stroke. Like most clients, especially the ones who made it up to Tatfield in the ever-increasing harshness of summer, he looked weary, worn. His hair was so startlingly similar in colour to Aziraphale's, it made him wonder if he too would look this frazzled had he and Tracy continued northwards when they'd first made their journey up here all those years ago. Come on inside, Aziraphale said, opening the door to the van with an inviting half-bow. Let me take your mind off things. That phrase, often spoken, rarely failed to make the clients smile, make them perk up in anticipation. But the stranger's scowl only became more pronounced as he stepped past Aziraphale into the van. Funny place you've got here, he said in a tone so flat Aziraphale couldn't quite figure out whether he was mocking his home or genuinely complimenting. Yes, um, thank you. Over here, if you please. You can put your back down next to the bed. The stranger stopped looking around and turned his gaze to Aziraphale. His eyes were black, Irises and pupils blended together to give him a constant expression of wonder. Do you live here all by yourself? Aziraphale's breath hitched, the hair on the back of his neck standing on edge at the question. There were few things a client could say to make him feel fearful. Apprehensive, yes. But are you alone only ever preceded danger? No, he replied, just like Tracy had taught him. My partner is just outside. He must have seen you coming down the path. He gave a shaky little laugh. The stranger's expression remained unchanged. Partner, huh? Tall, dark and handsome. That your type? All internal alarm bells were ringing at full volume now. Aziraphale tried to keep his breath slow as he figured out how to get this man out of his van as quickly and painlessly as possible. The stranger stepped closer. That there. He pointed at something behind Aziraphale, but he wasn't stupid enough to turn around. Is that yours? Doesn't quite seem your style. Against his better judgment, Aziraphale tipped his head ever so slightly to the side to see what the man was talking about. Crowley's jacket, patched and faded to a dull grey, hung over the back of the kitchen bench. And what about this? 
With a move so quick, Aziraphale couldn't have stopped him if he'd wanted to, the man turned and kicked the camel backpack that was neatly propped against the wall next to the door. Aziraphale held his breath, tried to get his racing heart back under control. He needed to get the stranger out of his home. Now! Look, I don't think this is working, he said, scolding himself as he spoke. Don't make excuses, Tracy's voice rang in his head. Just ask them to leave, polite but firm. Don't give them the opportunity to argue. I must ask you to... Your partner, the stranger growled. Where is he? Not in here, clearly. Then, to Aziraphale's immense relief, he ripped open the door and strode outside, jumping the single step to the yellowed grass below. Aziraphale rushed up behind him with the intention to slam the door shut and bolt it. But before he could do that, there was a whirring of a bicycle and the rattling of a trailer as Crowley came to a halt next to the table. He was flushed with the exertion, bent over the frame of his bike, panting. Aziraphale, he gasped. You won't believe what I found under a lot of crap in one of the... Fuck... Crowley froze, still awkwardly bracing himself on the handlebars of his bike. He stared at the stranger with a look of dread on his face Aziraphale had never seen before. Aziraphale stepped outside, the urge to lock himself inside suddenly replaced with a wild impulse to step between Crowley and the man. He kept his gaze fixed on Crowley, desperate to understand the situation in the split second of silence that followed. Then there was a shuffle beside him, an almost imperceptible rustle of fabric, the twitch of an arm. From the corner of his eye, without turning his head, Aziraphale saw the metallic glint of a gun in the client's hand, pointed right ahead. Finally, the stranger rasped, voice rough with fury. Crowley, the traitor. (laughs) 